Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. I want to, I want to talk about the Word of God today. Uh, if you're a visitor, we've been uh, running through these last few months, three things that we're passionate for, worship, word, and prayer. We've talked a bit about worship a few months ago. We, we talked about prayer and our, our prayer culture here at Reliance and, and just across the city. And then this whole month, we've been talking about the Word, the Word of God. I'm going to continue it on through the next couple of weeks, but um, we've been focused on the Word of God, and there's a reason for that. We love it. Amen? We love the word. We, we are Bible people. We're not ashamed of it. We don't hide the things that the world's like, ah, oh, it's not really like that part. We don't hide away from that. We don't shy away from that. We are Bible people. We love the word of God. And so um, there's a reason for that because we're people who've crossed the threshold. I entitled, uh, entitled this sermon series what we've been running in the last few, few months, Threshold Living. And, and what that means is when you cross a threshold into somewhere, the moment you cross that threshold, you're a part of that culture. You, you're a part of what that culture carries when you cross that threshold. And so Jesus goes into the Holy of Holies, and he tears the, the temple curtain in two, and he makes access for us to enter in. We, we were never supposed to live on the outside of the holy place. Amen. We were never supposed to. Like he wants us in the middle of it, in the throes of it. So he makes a way for us. It says in the Hebrews that he's a forerunner, which means he's making a way as a forerunner for us to get into the Holy of Holies. And then once you cross that threshold of the Holy of Holies, worship and prayer, and specifically today, the word of God becomes your culture. It's who we are. We're word of God people because the word of God is alive and active. The word of God has a name. His name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. This is why we're Word of God people, because once you cross that threshold, it comes on you. It's who you are. And so in Colossians 2.7, um, we were talking about how our roots are to grow down deep into Him. It was a springboard for us the last couple of weeks. Our roots are to grow down deep in Him. How do our roots grow down deep in Him? Our roots grow down and deep in Him because we know the Word, because the Word is about Him. The Word tells us about Him, His character, who He is. And the more that we get to know Him, the more our roots grow down deep in Him, the more we live our life from Him. And this is what we want. We want to live our life from Him. That's where maturity comes from in the Christian life. It's where we go deep. In Ephesians 4, we did some work on this last week. He talks about maturing, maturing into manhood or maturing into womanhood. And he specifically says this at the end of Ephesians 4. He says, we are to grow up. Somebody say grow up. In every way, and here's what he means, not some ways, not a few ways, we're to grow up in every way into him. I want you to hear that. We're to grow up in every part of our life into someone. And that into someone is into him. This is what we're after. We want to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And that's why the word of God is, is, is something we're very passionate for. And so the first, two, the first two Sundays, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how um, the word of God is invaluable. I mean, it's, it's of infinite value. And this is why all of hell is waging war against it. It's why truth is under attack. It's why everything is bombarding you with lies. It's why you hear that voice all over in society. Did God really say did God really say? It's that truth wants to come under attack. Why? Because the word has infinite value and the word sets people free. So we talked about that. Then last week we talked about how the word is seed. The word is seed. And seed always brings fruit. And fruit brings life. Amen. 
And so we want to plant good seed. And the word of God is good seed. And so what we're planting inside of our lives when we put the word in our hearts is that we're planting good seed that's going to produce life. Now, if the seed is producing life, then what I want to focus on today is how are you practicing that in your life? Super simple. I want to talk about how we're putting into practice the word of God. Um, It's important that we understand the power is not in reading alone the Bible. The power is not in reading alone, but putting it into practice. Amen? It's in putting it into practice. We've said it like this for, for, for maybe some of you that are new. Um, information is great. We're not against information. Awesome. Get your information. Information that doesn't have revelation isn't going to do anything for you. Information that doesn't give you revelation. So I'm reading the word. Revelation catches my heart. The re- not, revela- not the book of revelation. Revelation of who God is. Catches my heart. Oh my gosh, he is a God of love. I just got informed. I caught revelation. He's a God of love. And then transformation will always follow suit because the Holy Spirit is the one who does the transformation. So the moment I catch a glimpse of him and he gives me revelation of his love, Holy Spirit is doing a heart work in me going, I don't want anything else but him. And so information and revelation leads to transformation. And so... um, So what does that look like then practically in putting this into practice? How many guys like practice, by the way? Anybody like practicing? Yeah, like three people. Why? Because most people hate it, right? We don't like practice. Give me the game. Let me go in and play. I don't, I, we've talked about this numerous times. If I want to do something, I want to be good at it right away, right? I don't want to have to practice. I want to be good at it right away. And so I was watching um, Deion Sanders. He's coaching Colorado. Do you guys know that? I can't stand Colorado, by the way. Um, I'm just being honest. I want to be honest, and, you know, we're family. I want to be honest with you. I can't stand Colorado. Um, hope they lose. But outside of that, outside of that, Deion Sanders, I like him. I like him. He's a, he's a man of faith. He talks about his faith. I mean, he's got some swagger, but, you know, he talks about his faith all the time, and he's like, I'm not going to back down from that. Well, he said something about one of his players a, a couple of weeks ago in an interview. He's got all these recruits. He's a five-star. They got a five-star recruit that's an amazing cornerback, and um, everybody's asking, like, how come this guy isn't playing? He's not been playing, and, and, and he hasn't been playing him on the field. And Deion Sanders, just straight up in this interview, he says these words. He says, he want to play? He says, show up on time. Come to practice. Watch your film. Do what we tell you to do. Put the extra time in, and then you'll start playing on my field. And I was like, come on, Dion, right? Come on, Dion. And so here's a guy that could play anywhere, and Dion's like, no. You're not going to put the time, put the practice in. So this young man hears this. And what I saw in a report was, over a couple of weeks, he starts coming in, watching film, studying, putting in practice, and he had a great game. Here's what Dion's saying. He's like, I'm not afraid to tell you to put things into practice because it's going to make you a better man. And it's going to make you, make you a better player. And here's the Lord going, I'm not afraid to tell you to put this into practice because it's going to help you become better men and women that are following after him. Amen? Amen. And so... Um, I want you to know that's why I believe it's so, so profound when we start reading the word, how much you're going to see, put things into practice. Uh, it sounds simple, but for most of us in this room, we know it's tough. It's easy to go, oh, yeah, yeah, study the word, put it into practice. The question is, are we doing it? And so let's go after it today. Um, scripture speaks a lot about this in Philippians 4.9. I just want to set this up. I'm going to go into uh, uh, something different. But in Philippians 4.9, here's what Paul says. So Paul is preaching the gospel that he's learned from Christ and from the apostles, He's preaching also how Old Testament always was speaking about the coming Messiah, who is Jesus, how Jesus fulfilled it all, okay? So Paul's roaring in Scripture, and this is what Paul says in Philippians 4.9. 
what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Here's what he says. Practice these things. Okay? I'm going to stop there for a minute. There's a promise at the end of this. But he's going, what you have learned, what I've been teaching you, what you're studying in the word, what you're finding yourself built upon on the prophets and the apostles, what you've learned, what you've received, what you've heard. And then he doesn't exclude himself. He's going, and what you've seen in me. In other words, Paul's going, I have to live this out if I'm going to be faithful to these things. Amen? What you've seen in me, practice these things. Why is it important to practice these things? So that when game time comes, I'm ready to go. This is why it's important to practice. For instance, let me just give you a for instance. I'm called, and you're called, we're called to love people, right? So if I can practice loving the dude who cut me off, tough to do. I can love the person who cut me. I'm going to say that again. If I can love the person who cut me off, it's not that big of a deal. Man, it happens all the time, right? Kellogg's a nightmare. If I can love the person who cut me off, then in my life when the real deal comes, I can love the person who cut me. So if I put things into practice, then when the real game comes, I'll be ready for it. Amen, church. And so Paul says, put these things into practice. Now look what he says. There's always something that comes with this. And it's not something that we're fighting or contending for. It just comes because of how good he is. When we put these things to practice, here's what he says. And the God of peace will be with you. How many guys could use some peace in your life? He says, when you put my word into practice, this is the residual thing that comes with it. Peace will come into your life. And if you want peace, then put the word into practice. So... He's going to give a famous sermon on the mount, and he's going to talk about two houses. But before he does that, he's going to spend a few chapters talking about a lifestyle that has kingdom on it versus a lifestyle that has the world on it. And it's going to clash. When he preaches the sermon on the mount, it's meant to get up in your business. It's meant to get up in your face. The sermon on the mount should confront you. It's two different lifestyles of living. It's God's way or it's your way. Which one do you want? So he's going to go after things in the Beatitudes. He's going to talk about your anger. He's going to talk about lust. He's going to talk about adultery. He's going to talk about loving your enemies. He's going to talk about giving and forgiving. He's going to address where your treasure is. He's going to get up in your business and confront things that are going to conflict with your life. Because he's telling you it's a better way. This is a better way. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, loving my enemy. I hadn't thought about that. But he's going to bring things to the heart, like adultery. He's going to say, hey, if you've had lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, he's going to new levels, right? Because he doesn't just want your mindset. He wants your heart. So he's going to confront you in the Sermon on the Mount. And then after that, after he's built that life that we're called to live, that life that we're called to follow, now he's going to tell you a story of two guys that are going to build on a foundation. And one of these guys is going to build on a foundation that the Sermon on the Mount has been laid out in. Here's a better life for you. He's going to call that the rock. And the other guy's going to build on a, a, a foundation that we're going to call the world, which is sand. It shifts however I feel, right? And he's going to call it two houses, and I like how he opens it up in Luke 6, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew. But in Luke 6, 46, this is what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That sounds about right. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into, I will show you what they are like. 
So now he's about to liken what it looks like when we're building on the right foundation. But before we go to Matthew, I want to read out the one out of Matthew 7, 24. I love how Luke says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That word Lord is karyos. It's, it's the word, that word for Lord is its supreme authority. Why do you say I have supreme authority twice and not do what I say? Why do you say you've submitted to my authority and then you don't do what I say? Come on, church. It's a big deal. I heard it. I don't know you, but I heard it. I don't, I don't know where it came from. Come on. I heard it. Amen. And so he's going, why do you call me Lord, Lord, only to say that you're not going to do what I'm asking to do, not to obey, not to follow me? Why do you do that? It's crazy. So then in, in Matthew 7, 24, he's going to talk about what this is likened to. He goes, this is what it's like. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, here we go, puts them into practice is like a wise man. So the one who takes practice seriously and puts it in, you've got wisdom in you. You've got wisdom in you. He's like somebody who built his house on a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because its foundation is on the rock. Now, I love when the Lord brings contrasting things. We, we would love to hear that and be like, okay, so I just, I need to get some wisdom. But then he tells you the opposite. What happens if you don't do it? I love this. Because he's showing you that there's two paths that you can go on. Every person in here will walk out of here and you'll have two paths that you can walk on. You'll build your house here or here. So he'll say these words, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into is like a foolish man. Now he's going, if you don't practice, you're foolish. Well, we know that, right? That's just life. Those who put the time in and those who practice, man, they're usually the ones who have success. So he's just bringing a principle that we already know. They're foolish. They're like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, here's the thing. We've done work on this before. This story is not about the storms. Amen. In this life, you will have trouble, tribulation, struggle. He says it. You're not getting away from it. I don't know theologically what you believe. You're not getting away from trouble. It's coming. How you handle yourself in that trouble is what he's about to tell you. The, the trouble is not the, oh, no, how do I get away from the storms? You can't. They're coming. The, the, the question of this story is when it comes, how do I handle myself in that? Okay? And so here's what he's going to say. He's going to say when those storms come, there's two ways in which we're going to handle this. But by the way, um, when you read this, most of us grew up with this story. You've heard the story, many of you. I'm not going to say everybody, many of you. How do I know that? Because we, we put kids' songs to this. Do you guys remember this? The wise man built his house upon the... Do it, so I don't look foolish, do it with me. The wise man built his house upon the... There's like three people doing it, nobody on this side. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the... And the rains came down, and the... And the... Did you guys grow up in church over here? Look at you. Amen, amen. People who got put in kids' choir, people who did not. It's just the way, just the way it is. So we know that. We know it. We know that word. Mike Willer's moving over. He's like, I'm out. I'm out. Somebody write his name down back there, would you? 
So, so we know the song. It's ingrained in us. We understand that there's this principle here, right? It's been ingrained in us. Wise, build a house on the rock. Foolish, build it on sand. And so here's what he's trying to say. He's likening this lifestyle of the kingdom of God that he just roared about throughout the, throughout the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He's likening it to whether you're going to walk in it with wisdom or walk in it foolishly. Yep. Knowing that in this lifestyle, storms are coming. Knowing this, storms are going to come. And so we're all building this house. The question is, are we putting into practice what we know? This is really where he is at. And so the sand, it's representing something that's moldable and, and changing and, and relative. And, and the sand just really goes wherever the sea of culture takes it, right? And this is what he's saying. If you want to build your life on your lifestyle and in the way that you deem the world is, it always is shifting with whatever way the sea of culture blows. But if you build it on bedrock, the bedrock is Everything in the word of God is trustworthy and lasting and it doesn't shift like sand and it's secure and it's something that stands the test of time. He's liking it. If you build it on that, you're going to find blessing. You're going to find wisdom. You're going to find that no matter what comes, you're going to stand the test of time. Amen? And so he's putting, he's putting his words into practice and he's saying this is what bedrock looks like. So let me speak to that for a minute. Um, knowledge is good. We want knowledge. It, Paul's going to say, oh, that you would know him. All the writers of Scripture are going to go, oh, that you would know him. They want you to have knowledge. But I want to I add to that. Knowledge is great, but wisdom is application. Amen. So knowledge without wisdom is that I've got high and lofty ideas, and I do nothing with it. I do nothing with it. And so that, there's a problem in the kingdom of God where I know his ways better, and I won't apply it to my life. He's not talking to unbelievers here, church. He's talking to people like you and I who know it and we're unwilling to build on the right thing. <clears throat> so knowledge is great. Wisdom is application. Wisdom isn't just hearing. Wisdom is hearing and responding. Wisdom is hearing and responding. There's a key word there. Everybody say responding. It's responding. This is what we're after. It's responding. Now, James is going to come in and he's going to say it a, a little bit uh, more to the point let me, let me say something about the wisdom is, is hearing and responding before I go to James. Um, you can know something and not believe it. You can know something and not believe it. I, I, was, I was talking to first service. Um, I know that planes fly. Everybody know pla Everybody been on a plane? You know planes fly? Not everybody here probably has. I know that planes fly. I also know that planes crash, okay? So I've got knowledge of both, but my knowledge of planes are the majority of them fly and not crash, so then I put my belief when I get onto an airplane that it's going to take off and land safely. And my, my belief makes me exercise my faith by showing up to the airport and getting on board. Does that make sense? So I'm taking something that I know and I'm putting belief and faith behind it. Otherwise, I know planes fly, but I don't believe it will. And I'll never get on an airplane. So it's the same way when we look at scripture. I can know a lot about the word of God and never put belief and faith behind it, which puts it into practice. So James says it like this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, um, he says, deceiving yourselves. Now I find this really interesting, this word deceiving yourselves. We like to pin everything on Satan, right? He's bad. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Okay. Satan's bad. We like to pin everything on him. But that's not what James is saying. He's going, you've read the word, but you're not doing the word, and you're deceiving yourself. You know the truth, 
and you're unwilling to believe it or walk in it, and he's like, you're deceiving yourself, which we know deception is really just another word for like disobedience at times too. I'm just walking in disobedience. I know it. I'm deceiving. I'm walk. I think I'm okay, but I'm not. There's some disobedience there. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away and once, at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, who's the perfect law and law of liberty? Jesus. The law didn't save us. Jesus did. The perfect law is Christ. The law of liberty is that Jesus came and set us free. It was for freedom. He set us free. The one who looks into the law of Christ, Jesus, his word, who he is, and perseveres, being no hearer, forgets, but a doer, he says, um, uh, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Did you notice that he didn't say anything about feeling in there? He will be blessed in his doing. I know how it works, Lord. I just know this. I read your word. You're faithful and true. Your provision. Therefore, I'm going to live as though you provide everything in my life. I don't know how it works, Lord. I don't know what this looks like. I just know that it says you're the prince of peace. And so when chaos comes in and I'm starting to feel it, I'm just going to press into you because you are peace. I don't know how it's going to work, but you're peace. I'm just going to walk in it. <clears throat> and so he says deception comes from not doing and, and, and I would look at not doing and say, there's, there's a bit of disobedience in that. And so what you see is that God is not just looking for an obedient heart, he's looking for a willing heart as well, okay? I'm gonna tether those together in just a moment. I read this quote from a gal named uh, Rebecca Layton. It says, if our knowing grows but our doing does not, the gap of disobedience widens. Uh, I've got a diagram I wanna show you on this. Um, this is what it looks like. If I know a lot of things about God, okay, I've got... I know a lot, I mean, I'm studying the word, I've got all these lofty ideas and it never changes my doing. All I'm doing is growing in truth about his word, but disobedience because I'm never doing it. In the same token, if you look at the bottom one, and I'm terrible with publishers, so that arrow was supposed to be a little bit further up. Anyways, if my knowing is going up and my doing is increasing in the same measure, what happens to the gap of disobedience? It's getting smaller. Why? Because my knowing and my doing should match each other. Amen? If I'm following Jesus and I'm knowing a lot about him, I'm praying. This is the whole point, right? I'm praying that my doing matches what I believe to be true about him. And this is why he says we behold him and we get transformed more and more and more into his glorious image. But if I know a lot about him, and this is sometimes what we do in Christianity, we get to know a lot about Jesus that changes nothing in our life. So we've got all these ideas of him that are never actually put into practice. Amen, church? And I'm called to live by the truth that I know. And I can know that truth and not live by it. And if I do that, Scripture's really clear that I'm going to eat of that fruit. It's called the fruit of the flesh. If I know the truth and I decide to walk in the flesh, I'm going to eat of that fruit. But if I know the truth and I decide to walk in the spirit, I'm going to eat of the fruit of life. Let's talk about obedience and willingness and how they're tethered together for just a moment. Obedience is our actions and willingness is our heart. They go hand in hand. We can be obedient with a heart that is not willing, listen to this, and that does not give glory to the Lord. Um, If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. You can be obedient with a heart. They all said yay uh, just now. 
Uh, we, you can be obedient with a heart. You can be obedient with a heart that's not willing. And the question is, are we giving glory to God? Well, we know scripture verses on, on this, right? Paul's gonna say about giving. He's like, hey, each man should give as their heart desires, not begrudgingly. Otherwise, like, why do it? Why, why do it? And so what we see is this. We see that God looks for our willingness. He wants to know our willingness in walking in his ways. And this is where he's talking about that he's always planting the word in our heart. Notice he doesn't say, I've planted my word in your brain that you may not sin against me. I planted your word in my heart. Why? Because he's always after the heart. He's after your heart. He, you could have thoughts that go a mile long and a, and, and a mile wide. It doesn't, you can have lots of thoughts. He wants to know, do I have your heart? Do I have your heart? So he says, I've hidden my word in your heart. He says, I've written my word on your heart. Everything that he talks about is the heart. Why? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He cares deeply about what's going on in your heart. And that's your willingness there. Let me, let me say this about obedience. Obedience is not measured. I love this. Obedience is not measured by our ability to obey laws and principles. Obedience is measured by our response to God's voice. Let me do a work on this for a minute. If, if our obedience is measured by our ability to obey laws and principles, you and I will start making tasks and lists right now. Some of you right now are going, oh, great. I've got to make a list of things I've got to get better at. And right now, you're thinking about it in your heart, like, I've got to get better at this, and I've got to get better at this, and I've got to get better at this. And so you're making lists and tasks, believing that that's the kind of obedience that God wants. So you're making your list. The moment you start making your list, you'll start getting your righteousness from your list and not from Jesus. And now you're tethered to the law again, which enslaved you, by the way, because you better get your list right. And if your list is not right, you're going to judge your righteousness on whether or not you got your list right or wrong. Versus going, Lord, I don't nail it pretty much every single day. I screw it up, but I love you and I'm going after you because my heart's in it. Amen. And something in you is putting into practice. Like I said, guy cuts me off. Everything in the flesh wants to rise up. I go, bless you, my man. And he cut me off so that then the next time somebody comes and cuts me to the heart, I can go, that one hurt, but bless you, because I put it into practice. <clears throat> I'm going to say this one more time. Obedience is not measured by our ability to obey God's laws and principles. I could read a thousand scripture verses and not do anything with it, but I could hear God's voice on one scripture verse and be transformed. Yeah. So what's our motivation? It's birthed out of love. It's birthed out of love. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It, it, this is not out of obligation. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. It's not out of, like, I have to. It's not out of, oh, it's the only, you know, what? it's birthed out of love. If you love me, if you love me. And if you're, man, if you're pursuing Jesus in the Christian life and you're like, I just don't know if I love him, uh, let's talk. There's a thousand other things you could be doing. If you're like, I just don't know if I love him. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is where he takes the burden out of it. Amen? Uh, wish we had more time. So uh, I want to be clear. Obedience is a product of our faith. Um, and so uh, here's, here's what I want to say about it. In 1, John 3, uh, in 1 John 2, 3, and 6, he says, we can be sure that if we we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. A lot of times we say things like, Lord, I want to know you. How do I know you? How do I know you? And he's like, just walk in me. 
Like, like go to the, I'm telling you, just go to the, the, the Beatitudes, study those. Go to the Sermon on the Mount to study those things. And as you're studying those things and you're learning about the character of God and what the character of his kingdom looks like, you'll start to know him more. And if you know him and you're walking those things, you'll start to find that fulfillment. He says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person's a liar. And it's not living in the truth, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. <clears throat> kind of difficult, amen? So, so, it, so obedience, what's it producing? So if seeds produce fruit, what do we feed on? Fruit. So it's beautiful, like how God sustains our spirit. 1 John uh, 3.21 tells us some, some of the rewards of walking in obedience. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Now, I'm just going to be straight with you. Your prayers will change when you're walking in obedience. Here, here's what I mean. He loves to answer prayers that are for the things that please, pleases him. So in other words, here's what I mean. As I'm walking in obedience and he's filling me up and, and I'm satisfied in him, all of a sudden my prayers shift from, oh, Lord, change everything about my life and everything I want in life to, oh, God, just help me to love people better. Help me to practice patience with my kids because it honors you. Help us to love my wife in such a deeper way that we're a reflection of, 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 of you in our marriage. And all of a sudden my prayers change and the Lord's like, I'll answer that. But what happens is we pray for things like, help me to win the $1.8 million jackpot, right? And we do the whole, like, I'll give you, you know what, and I'll just keep $100 million, Lord, it's not that much, you know, that kind of thing. And we negotiate with him. Why? Because inside of us, there's still something that wants things for me, that wants things for me. And so what we do then is the Lord's like, all that $1.8 million, $1.8 billion is going to do is it's going to crush you under the weight of it. He's like, I don't want to answer that. It's going to crush you. It's going to crush you. And you've got a neighbor who doesn't know Christ that you spend every waking day with. Why don't you tell him about me? Yeah. That'll answer. And all of a sudden, you begin to see that the rewards of walking in obedience is that God is answering prayer for the things that bless him and move his heart. Um, here's another one, Proverbs, Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your, where does he say, where does he say the commandments are at? Heart. Isn't that interesting? But let your heart keep my commandments. He doesn't say let your brain keep my commandments. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Interesting. Um, man, I don't have time for a second, Peter. Last thing. Um, so, so last week, we talked about in this lens, then how do we read scripture, if you guys remember this? And, and I said, there's lots of ways that we need, we need to do proper exegesis on scripture. We need to make sure we keep it in context. We need to make sure we're looking at it rightly. Uh, we need, there's lots of ways to read it, especially as we think with our, uh, our brains. But with our heart, there was two things I gave you. How do you read scripture with your heart? And I gave you two things. I said, number one, when you're reading scripture, always ask the question, who is God? So I'm reading the word. I want to know him. Remember, it's all about knowing him. I want to know him. So I'm reading scripture, asking the question, who are you, God? Your creator and your father and your protector and your provider and your living water and you're the bread of life. And because he's those things, then the second question is, who am I in light of you? Because God invites us into his story. Amen? He invites us into a story. That's why he's redeemed us and saved us. He wants us with him. So because I know who he is, now he's invited me into a story. So if he's father, then I'm... 
son, daughter. If he's provided, then I'm provided for. If he's living water, then when I'm parched, he's the place that I run to. If he's the bread of life, then when I'm hungry, and when I mean hunger, I'm not talking physical hunger, but when I'm hungry for the things of the world, I'm going to be satisfied in him. And so what happens is if we're reading scripture that way, then something begins to come out of us. I'm now walking. I'm putting into practice sonship. Everybody's going, oh, you really screwed this week up, Aaron. I go, it's okay. My father is the Lord. And people are going, you know what? You're just trash. You're not worth anything. And I'm like, ah, I was created fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? You're putting it into practice. So what's happening is the war against your heart is not getting you down. Because you're just simply putting it into practice. I didn't tell you how I felt right there. That really hurt. What was said to me really hurt. I get it. It really hurt. But I know who I am. And I'm going to walk in it. And I'm going to put it in to practice. So the kids, kids ministry. Kids ministry has been doing this. They've been teaching how the kids how to hide the word of God in their heart. And so they put scripture verses in balloons. Come up here, Ronnie, for a minute for me. Okay? They put these scripture verses in their heart. And they had the kids hold it. Come on up here. Come on up here. Hold it. Nice and gentle. Nice and gentle. And so what they said was this. In life, there's going to be storms. Amen. And storms are going to squeeze you and they're going to push on you and they're going to grip you. Now, usually what would happen is when storms start gripping Ronnie, especially the old Ronnie, Ronnie, storms are gripping you. Storms are coming against you, coming against your marriage. I just wanted to hit you. Coming against your family, coming against your kids. Good game. When kids, all these things are coming against you, all of a sudden the old Ronnie goes, anger comes out, bitterness comes out jealousy comes out all these things start coming out of him and what happens is is it hurts and affects everybody around him because this is what happens when we're squeezed and what's living inside of me is the world anger unforgiveness jealousy rage everything comes against me now when the word of God is in our hearts and we're putting it into practice and life will squeeze you go ahead and squeeze that and break it yeah go ahead come on Ronnie Come on. No, you can do it. Tad did it. Tad did it. Do it this way. Tad's bigger than me. Do it this way. Oh, yeah. Really pull that into your belly. Oh! All of a sudden, the word of God, the, word, or the, the bubble broke. It broke. But what came out of you, Ronnie? Say it. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Come on, amen. You keep that. That's for you. So what came out of Ronnie, and this is what the kids were learning, what comes out of Ronnie when he's squeezed isn't, oh, rage and anger and frustration. What comes out of him is, the Lord is my strength and my shield. He's the protector of my life. He's my provision. And so now, when I squeeze and I feel like everything's broken, not not my feelings, I get to walk in him still. I get to walk in him. I get to walk in his truth. Why? Because I've put it into practice. So when I'm squeezed, my house is built on a solid foundation. Amen. So, all right, we're way over time. So I'm just going to pray this out. So here's, here's my challenge to you. Jesus says in John 7, 38, that out of you will flow rivers of life. So will you stand up? <clears throat> will you put your hands out? I just want to pray the Holy Spirit over you. <clears throat> Father, we pray in this moment, every hand that's out, we pray, Jesus, that your word would come 
not just to our mindsets, but would come to our heart. We pray, God, that our knowledge and our doing would match one another. We pray that our obedience and our willingness would match one another. We pray that out of each single life in here would come rivers of life, Father. That when life comes and we're squeezed and everything pops around us, God, what comes out of us is the word of God that says that you are my refuge and my strength. A fortress in times of trouble. In you, in you, I will have my joy. I pray, Heavenly Father, for every marriage and family and singleness and every adult and every child and every youth in here, God, that there would, this would be a house, God, not just of knowers, but this would be a house of doers. I pray that people would see this community of believers not saying, hey, they know all this lofty ideas, but they never do anything with it. I pray what would be said of this house is, my gosh, they know the Lord and they do something with him. They live with him and walk with him and breathe with him. I pray, Heavenly Father, that from that we would see the blessings of the Lord fall upon each man and woman and child in here, and that, God, we would give a testimony of your goodness all the days of our life. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Living water flow through us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. love you guys. We'll see you. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. Until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.